Hey there, it's Colette LaBarbera and Bridget Whitney. We are pretty pumped to invite you to eavesdrop while we chat with some of our favorite badasses in and beyond the hockey world. The arena goal horn doesn't blow when people have success off the ice, so we want to blow it here. Did you say blow? Oh, I might have. Claudette likes to rap while eating kale and chewing healthy juice on our way to Super Momit, sell real estate, or change the world one philanthropic moment at a time. Bridge smashes coffee and makes up the words to her favorite songs, needs to set an alarm on her phone for almost every appointment in life because she's always late. She's busy managing her three kids, dancing addiction, and website for pro hockey families. If we lived together, we would high-five each other at 4.45 a.m. when I'm just getting up and Bridget is headed to bed, each a vampire in our own right. Both of us love our families, each other, and our insanely awesome hockey community. So pour yourselves a drink of choice and saddle up because the boys aren't the only ones with stories. Welcome to our hockey life, where today we are lucky enough to be chatting with one of professional hockey's respected enforcers and ice guardians of yesteryear, Kelly Chase. Kelly played in 458 NHL games and clocked 2017 penalty minutes over 12 seasons with three teams. He was awarded the NHL's King Clancy Memorial Trophy for the 97-98 season and has continued to exemplify leadership qualities and make amazing contributions to his community and hockey family. After retiring in 2000, Kelly took his no-holding-back approach off the ice and into the broadcasting booth of the St. Louis Blues, where he remained until just last year. His wife and three sons have become a huge part of our personal family, and I couldn't be more grateful for their special friendship. Hey, Kelly, thanks for coming today. Thanks for having me. There's was, was, was a, a lot of nice things you said about me there, you know, so I guess that's, I'm going to pay for that somewhere along the line. <laughs> okay, well, also I'm shaking because, one, you're like probably one of my closest friends that we've spoken to, but also your career in broadcasting kind of has me shitting my pants a little bit. <laughs> She's nervous. Okay. Uh, well, I would, I wouldn't, well, first of all, don't do that. And secondly, <laughs> I mean. That could get messy. And then the second <laughs> thing is, is that I, I got asked the other day about whether or not you think you, you know, what do you, you know, what do you think you were better at hockey or broadcasting? And I said, God, I wasn't a very good hockey player. I'm not sure what think, people think of me as a broadcaster, but I said, I was probably a better broadcaster because I said, you know, I just had more time to, to be, to be influenced by it and, and, and actually work at it. Cause I, I, I did it for 19 years. So it was one of those things where, you know, yeah, it was a pretty good question. I'd never been asked before. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about the broadcasting is, is that I, you'll look back on this interview, that introduction, some part of whatever you did, and you're going to say at one point, oh my God, that's, you know, and I don't think it was bad, but you judging yourself, <laughs> you will, you all, you, uh, you'll see this. You, you'll have a oh. tendency to go, because I watched myself on ESPN the very first time I did it. Yeah. And I was like, I'd freaking fire me right now. <laughs> I was so bad. And I saw it like, you know, it was like 10 years later when I saw the interview and I was with uh, Dave Strader on, on, T- on uh, ESPN. And I was like, God, I suck. Man, I can't, I can't even see me after all that. <laughs> I can't see you sucking at that. What well, part? I did. Well, I oh. really did. <laughs> it was just one of those things where they were like, they, I, I was asking questions or, or giving responses. And it was like, I I, first of all, I was almost yelling. I was so excited. <laughs> oh, and secondly, I was, you know, I wanted to just give everybody my opinion of what I thought was so important instead of like, you know, kind of going through a little bit of, cause I was, you know, when I was, I was lucky enough to have Jack Buck, who's, you know, one of the most revered, you know, broadcasters ever, uh, hall of yeah. fame broadcaster, or whatever he, he was, you know, he kind of gave me some advice, which was really good. 
And it was basically, he said, you know, like, you don't need stats. You, you should stick your head out the window, which he called the, bo- the window, the booth, and talk about the only thing you've done your whole life. He goes, because me, the stats are for guys like me that didn't play the game. People that never played the game don't understand it in the same aspect that you understand it. So express that. And it was such great advice. I mean, I, I took very limited notes as, as a broadcaster because I felt like if I took if I took notes, I'd start to read stats and I'd, I'd become a guy that was, you know, stagnant on, on just shit that isn't important. Whereas if you're, if you're watching the game and you're, and you're adjusting and, and comp, you know, and commenting on, on, on what's going on in the game, you have, you know, you got to pay more attention to it and you're more into it. And, And I felt like that was, that was something that I, that I, you know, needed to, needed to kind of learn and, and adapt to a little bit, you know, instead of being so rigid in the conversation, learn how to kind of, you know, let the person that you're interviewing or let the game, you know, ask the questions or give the answer. So I love that. And we are taking notes while you speak. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, Point, I'm, I'm pointers welcome. You advice on what I did, but I'm just telling you, I'm telling you what worked for me. And it seems to be something that, because cause Jack Buck actually walked in the studio my very first game that I was doing on TV, and he came up to me and he had this you know great voice, and he said, well, "What's going on, kid?" And I said, "Hey, Mr. Buck, how are you?" He goes, "I'm good. What are these?" I said, "Those are my notes, Mr. Buck." He goes, "Notes? What do you need notes for?" And he started bundling them all up, pushing oh. them together. Yeah. And he goes, "What do you need notes for? Talk about the only thing you've done your whole life." And he pushes everything, the papers together, and he folds them in half, and he puts them in his sport coat. He always, you know, always had a sport coat on. And I was like, I think, well, he's playing a joke on me, right? So <laughs> he kind of chuckles a little bit, and he walks out of the booth. And so I'm just sitting there for a second, and I'm thinking, he's just playing a joke on me. He's coming back. Finally, I jump up because we're about to go on the air, and I look down the hallway. He's gone. <laughs> I don't even have like the game. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> like, I'm like, holy shit! So I run and I go somebody give me a game sheet. I'm just in a panic. And our stats guy runs down and I go, where the hell did you go with my notes? He's like, I don't know. And then, and then the next day he called me and he said, Hey kid, I went home for the third period and listened to you. You are great. Stats are for guys like me that don't know the game. Just stick your head out the window and talk about the only thing you've done your whole life. Tell us why things are going on. I don't understand. Yeah, And I thought, you know what, it was great perspective because I was so concerned with, you know, making sure I talked about how many goals this guy had and how many games. And it was ridiculous when that, that was more for someone else, you know, got- not for the analyst. It was more for the play by play guy than it should have been for the analyst. So yeah. it was a good lesson. Yeah, that is a great lesson. And it's true. You do, you have a doctorate in hockey. You've been living it your entire life. It's what, you know, that's why you got hired. You got hired for, you know, your side of the story. Well, you know, it's, I, I make this analogy a lot of times, actually, Ray, and I make, I, I have this conversation with your, with your husband many a time, when I, but I have this analogy and I know it drives people crazy because you don't have to have played to be a coach. You don't have to have played to be in the game, but it certainly helps. And I said, you know, I've been on a thousand flights. Would you let me fly the plane? <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Right. Yeah. right? So sure like enough. if you've been out there and you actually know what it's like to hurt, to bleed, to break, play with a broken bone, to to understand the emotion that goes into playing. You can't get that from a teleprompter. You can't get that from a TV. You can't get that from being in meetings. 
you can only get that one place. And that's the experience of having done it. And so as much as that, like I've been lucky, I've won, the, I've won at every level, but the NHL. So I'd like to tell you what it's like to win the Stanley Cup, but I don't, I think I know, but I don't really know. Right. I don't really yeah. know. I, I mean, my colleagues know, but I don't really know. Your husband knows. I don't mm. know. And so, and so like, you know, it, it's one of those things where you have to experience those things. You know, it's like driving down a country road, you know, where's the log lane across the road? Where can you, you know, skip across a Creek or whatever it is. You kind of know if you've been down it before, you kind of know where the bumps are. And I think, I think, you know, there's lots of things that have evolved in the game that, that, give you some insight but if you haven't done it it's really hard to try and understand it sometimes yeah and you I've, can you can tell me what it feels like to have a baby till you're purple <laughs> I, i'm sorry i can't I, I know i can envision it yeah <laughs> and i'm starting to look like i might be having one but <laughs> unfortunately i can't really you guys have experienced it i have well and honestly on the flip side of that i guess a little bit is that even Codette and i doing the podcast and our our journey on you know in our hockey lives have not been on the ice but they've been behind the scenes and so even in doing this podcast we we're trying to dis, to stick to what we know the living side of it and and all of that and introducing people to you guys and kind of staying off the ice right Codette? right like i don't want to jason especially does not want to hear me talk about hockey because i don't get it like at all so yeah, like th- that's not what we're going to talk about. Like we want to, like for us, we want to talk about like what we experience, right? So for you to talk about what you know is is definitely the best way to go. That's it's a valuable, valuable, valuable advice that you could share with some other wives at some point because yeah. I, I like honestly, like I think there's times where, mm. like I might, and you know my wife well. I, I mean, I don't even try and put together a schedule that she can like, she's a rock star with. I'm like, okay, that is not my lane and I suck at it and I know it. So she would just tell me, don't come home and get so involved that you just mess everything up. Totally. Yeah. I mean, okay, Jason, so, yeah, Jason, I, I did a few years yeah. long distance and he'd come in and I'm like, you can't like you, you can't just come in and try, like mess up our routine. Like you have to just fall into it. That's, that's my, and so like, but then you'll see guys where all of a sudden, you know, it takes on a life of its own where, Maybe one of the girls is, it feels like she needs to either defend or say things that are disruptive. And you see it on social media every once in a while. And you're like, mm, just stay in your lane because that is not helping your husband. <laughs> hey, wh- while you jumped right to that, actually, um, I feel like uh, when when the wife or girlfriend is a celebrity of sorts, they jump in a little bit more and are more comfortable. Oh, I, yeah. I'm not. Like, I would... I'd be biting my tongue more on my opinions because I will share them with my friends, but I don't yeah. necessarily do that. And that's not true across the board. It's just me, but it's funny. No, but, but that's, but that's great advice because what, what, you know, honestly, what, like what executive would ever look at something from a social media standpoint or, uh, you the, know, or whatever, you know, like the like president actually, of the I USA, <laughs> No, what, what, like, what, well, I mean, here's an example. I had uh, Justin, Ver, which I thought was great. Justin Verlander was out here, married Kate Upton. He was out, we were visiting and he said, I said, I got to tell you, she sent out a tweet after he lost, um, the, uh, the Cy Young. Mm-hmm. And she said, 
Well, I thought I was the only one that got to fuck Justin Verlander. <laughs> no. <laughs> and and I, but apparently you must have loved that. Did you love that a little bit? <laughs> I was howling. I go, yeah. dude, that's the best tweet I've ever seen. 100%. Now that's just sticking up for someone that had nothing to do. But if you started tweeting like, well, he should have pitched longer and they left him in and, you right. know, like management's going to say, look. Okay, enough of this. We, yeah, rain it out. We can't understand the game. There's one yeah. thing to stick up for him because of an award, which I thought that was epic. And then, and he goes, oh, he goes. The last thing I said to her, when and he goes, I'm not going to win it, and I don't want you saying anything on social media. Whatever you do, do not say anything. And he goes, as soon as they announced it, I couldn't get home quick enough. He goes, oh, it was already done. She went and sent it out. He goes, I was like, oh, like as I said. Dude, are you kidding I, me? That was one of the best tweets I've ever seen. I love that. I so, wish I had the balls to do that, but I don't. So no, we have I to stay quiet, it. right? Like you can't, you can't well, speak out like that. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. I mean, if it's like I said, it wasn't really team related. So I'm sure the team thought it was pretty funny too, <laughs> because they are all rooting for him too. But when it came to like, but when it comes to like, like you said, you know, actually pitching in the game and, and that's when you got to kind of, you know, like you yeah. said, you stay in your lane. Like, you know, I, my, <laughs> my wife was working as a broker. I didn't go over to the office and start telling her how to make trades and, you know, <laughs> which stock she should buy. She would have just told me where I could pound sand and that would have been the end of it. So, um, so like, you know, I, I, I think that there's some, especially now, I mean, the social media, I mean, you know, we're witnessing uh, some territory to everybody. And so nothing goes unnoticed. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's a quick, quick screenshot, and, and it's out there forever. And then that's it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, can you tell us a little bit about uh, growing up in in uh, Porcupine Plains, Saskatchewan, the town the size of a Smarty? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never even knew it was. Uh, it was an in- it was an interesting uh, interesting place. But when you don't know any better, you know you only know what you know. And and so for me, I was I felt like I was like I was lucky that I got to be there because. You know, you're in a little town. Everybody knows everybody. But I was in a town where, where right around us we had we had great. We don't have good hockey players. We had great hockey players. We had, you know, if if you look at the little town beside us and our little town that always combined for so we had enough players was Kelvington, Saskatchewan. Well, well, we have Joey Kosher and Wendell Clark. We had, I think, at wow. one point there was nine of us playing in the NHL. Nine oh, yeah. in a town of a thousand thousand yeah. people. So when you drive into Calvinton now, it says "Welcome to Canada's Hockey Factory," and there's billboards of each of the guys that play. <laughs> yeah. And it was it was just and everyone's like, "Where do I get my like, where do I get my sperm donation?" Yeah, <laughs> what, like, what's in the <laughs> water here? Yeah. yeah, what is happening? Well, well the, the crazy thing about it was too is like, uh, you know, we didn't we didn't know any different. We just played, and we all you know. But Barry Mulrose was kind of like like so we had we had guys that were older that we didn't know that had played and. Uh, from our from our town, but the, you know, long before us, uh, you know, where we weren't we weren't living when they were playing. Yeah, we weren't born yet. Yeah. But you know, the guys that the guy that was playing and that we were like revered and looked up to was Barry Melrose. And so Barry would come home, and he was like, you know, I remember thinking this. I was like, first time he came home, and and you were like old enough, like oh, Barry's home, and it was a big deal. You know, Barry's home. He would come home every year and farm, you know, the, you know, that's what we did. We all, we're all farmers. We all, you know, worked on the farm or whatever. And, and he would come home and you'd see him out on, you know, running. We'd be coming to town for groceries. He'd be out on the highway running. And yeah. then we're like, holy. And then the next, you know, the next year he came home, he had a new half done truck. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit. You, 
You play in the NHL, you get a new halftime song. <laughs> like you can have a new. And the next year he came home, and he, yeah, yeah. And the next year he came home, he was had a Cincinnati Stinger cheerleader with him. Ah. So I was like, wow, I'm for sure playing in the NHL now because. <laughs> and he married Cindy, and she's the Cincinnati Stinger cheerleader. And I was like, you know, and they're still together. I'm like, dude, yeah, this is how it works. So you started running. You start. You started chasing her around like town. You read about, like you read about. I was running. Kid me, we were all running, and uh, and so uh, it was like it, you know, growing up in a little town was it was it was a great experience because you got to learn how to do do everything. You got and you learn work ethic, and you know, I mean, we it, we it's they're very hardy people up there, as you know, just having to put up through the winters and that they do and and everything. But the fact that you you have this it was community parenting. You had this great spot that you hang out all winter and it's the community rink. Like it's the, it's, the, you know, you just went in and you snuck in and you played and you skated every chance you got, but also, you know, you didn't act up without everybody knowing it. So you'd get a kick in the ass every once in a while from the neighbor or from one of your parents, friends or whatever. And they straighten you around and, and nobody, you know, nobody bitched about it and nobody complained about it and everything always got sorted out. And, and um, it made us better people. It made us, you know, it made us appreciate what we had, and, and it made us, you know, I guess more understanding of of what good work ethic is. And I and I think I'm I'm really grateful that I got to learn those lessons in a little place. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I love think that. the simplicity of a small town it really does have that. And and I feel like things have changed too nowadays. Where even if you're you living in a smaller community everyone's not outside. So you're not all intertwined in each other's lives. Like you were, I grew up in a small town too. Same Same with Kodak. So, I mean, like you said, the eyes were on you all around. You couldn't really get away with anything. Someone was going to hear about it. Um, And also if someone, if you got in a little trouble from someone else's parent, that wasn't going to blow the roof off everyone's world where I feel like now sometimes, I mean. People are too sensitive. Yeah. 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 So, So hockey wasn't your only sport. While you were growing up? No, I uh, I played every sport I could play. I played football and I played fast push softball. As a matter of fact, I think they're doing a 30 for TSN's doing a 30 for 30 on our ball team. Um, so, so uh, we had all of those guys just mentioned uh, Joe Koser, Wendell Clark, Trent Young, um, Kevin Kaminsky, myself, Corey Koser, Kerry Clark. Who am I missing? Neil Clark, uh, Barry Melrose. Uh, we all played on the same softball, the fast pitch team. And so not only was it the toughest ball team in the entire country, but it was, we won everything all the time. And it was unbelievable. But what is amazing about it is that Wendell was the first pick overall in the NHL draft and he played every summer on the team. Now, can you it's imagine so Connor McDavid being, being allowed to play ball in the summertime like no. Well, yeah. no one even thought anything about it they were just happy we were getting exercise i'm sure I'm, I'm sure the toronto maple Leafs didn't even know what wendell was doing probably not but the fact that no but the fact that we were playing we were playing ball and and having this unbelievable time as a group and we we're all playing pro hockey yeah and that, it was just our off season that's what we did that's you know and the, and the funny thing was is we were allowed to go and play ball at clark's place if you were sitting around, you were going to work. So you could be, you could be at the lake water skiing. You could be out playing ball. Uh, anything you were doing that was an activity, and you you were off the hook. But as soon as we were sitting on our asses in the house, 
Les Clark would walk in and go, all right, uh, you I need over here on the grain truck. You and <laughs> you over there, we're going to pick roots in uh, South Quarter. And next thing you know, we're like, Jesus, why the hell didn't we just go outside? Yeah, we so, should. you know, so, so that's, that's really what it was about. And, and uh, it was a great lesson for us. That's for sure. So um, Bridget tells me that you're a badminton player. And um, I would like to challenge you next I, time I see I'm, you to go toe-to-toe okay, bad, I, badminton with me. I, ha- I haven't played for so long. It's unbelievable, but I love it. Okay, I'll, and, I'll go toe-to-toe uh, yeah, toe with you, Kelly. Badminton. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, I, 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 I'm looking forward to it. I was, I'm looking I was, forward to it. I was a badminton you know, champ. Oh, you're going to take advantage of, so was I. But I'm going to tell you something. You're taking advantage of, uh, you know, the uh, the weight challenge I have right now, right? You're just like, okay, I got him. He's a little out of shape. No, you got oh, time I'm to train. Not, I'm not working at this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got okay. time to train. Right. We could always right. put a vest, right. a weight vest on Podat, just even the playing field. I'd play in a weight vest. All right. I, I accept the challenge. Oh, I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to watch. Smash that birdie so hard. So I kind of reached out to your boys a little. time. They call it needles. <laughs> Measles when you hit them. The red dot you have on you, I, I, I slap it at the boys every once in a while. And I'd say, oh, look, you got measles. And the first time they were like, what are you talking about? And then after they realized and they say it. So now every time I drill them with a pickleball, we have a court in our backyard. And I, I, I just walk away going measles. Like this, and they all just shake their head at me. Now they get it's it. Awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. Okay, is it true that you had only seen one NHL game before you actually played in one? That's fact. Live? Does yeah, that we, mean live? I, well, I mean live. Yeah. Yeah, live. Well, yeah, well, I, I um, like, you know, obviously there's no, there's no teams in Saskatchewan. Right. So, um, so I, I had watched a game um, when I was in newest minister, I would play for the Saskatoon Blades and we had a night off between playing in Kamloops and playing in newest minister. So they took us to the Canucks game. Um, I saw the Detroit Red Wings play the Vancouver Canucks. And Joey played for Joey Kosher played for for the Wings, of course. And so I got to see him and see him play, and it was just really cool. And I was like, "Wow, this is unbelievable!" And then the, I played an exhibition game as a 19 year old, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, an 18 year old, when I was at camp in Hartford in Boston. I played. We played an exhibition game in Boston, and then the next one I was played in was in Detroit against the Red Wings. Oh my God. Um, in an exhibition game. And I remember standing on the ice looking at Steve Eiserman and I, I, I could not believe I was on the ice with him. I, I mean, I, I literally was standing, I was, I was mesmerized by it. I was like, Holy shit. Like, like, you know, I, it was such, it, it, it's a, I don't know what it said, like an out of body experience because you, your whole life, you know, it, and it was not, and I think what made it different, what made it cool was that, you know, we didn't have all the media outreach that we have now. Right. You know, like, so, so, so like Detroit was like, you know, Kazakhstan, like, you know, like how do you even get to, like, you know, we had, how do you get there? TV channels. Right. We had two TV channels when I grew up, you know, one was CBC, the other was CTV. So I, so like, we didn't even have, we had a French station. I couldn't understand it anyway, so I never bothered with it. And so it, it was just being out on the ice and being able to be in that game was just, and then of course, you know, my, my first game in the NHL, we played uh, the Montreal Canadians and I was like, 
this is unbelievable. My first regular season game. This is unbelievable. This is like, I'm actually out on the ice with the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. One of the original six. Yeah. 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 And everyone talked about everyone, you know, you got, you got the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, yeah, we had the Oilers and everybody, but what I'm saying is, is from an original six standpoint, the tradition, it was like, it was, it was just, it was so cool, you know, and I was so, and I was so lucky. I was, like I said, I wasn't a very good player. I got to play a long time because I, I always looked at it like, I just want to have one of those 23 seats on the bus. <laughs> I got to get one seat. I don't, it doesn't matter which one. Yeah. I just well, got to find one seat on the bus. Listen, don't belittle and, uh, yourself. <laughs> it take you know, it takes a lot of hard work to get there. Not everyone gets there. So yes, you were the player. You got there. You had success. And I love that you got to have those. Oh, you know, yeah. You know what? I, I look at it. It's like this. It's like, uh, I tell I told this story. To, I've told it at a lot of speaking engagements, but I told it the other night to some people that I was with. I said, you know, it's. I remember being at my first training camp, and and um, and I got to the gate to go to Hartford, and Gordy Howe was standing there, and I was like, holy shit, it's Gordy freaking Howe, <laughs> and I was like, I couldn't be. I mean, I couldn't even talk. Oh. I was 18 years old. I was like, oh, I finally got enough mustard up. And I went over to him and I said, Mr. Howe? And he goes, yes, young man. I said, my name's Kelly Chase. And I said, I played in Saskatoon with the Blades. And I I want you to know how much we appreciate everything that you've done for the city of Saskatoon and for all the kids. And, you know, I played at Gordie Howe Park. I played ball at Gordie Howe Bowl. I go, I've, I've, I've skated at Gordie Howe Ice Rink. I go, I, I just want you to know how much we appreciate you. And he said, sound young man. And he was working as a consultant for the Hartford Whalers where I was going to camp. And so I sat down for a minute or two and we're talking. He's asking me all these questions. And he says, they call him up to the podium and they're canceling the flight. And they want to tell him first, because of course he's Gordy Howe. We got to tell him. He goes, Hey, Mr. Howe, listen, uh, we're canceling the flight. And he kind of gives the wink to me and kind of calls me up to the front. He goes, we're, we're going to have to take you in tomorrow. It's a mechanical issue. So he goes, we're going to get another plane here, but we're not leaving until tomorrow morning. So we're going to give you these gift certificates at the hotel at the airport here. And then, you know, you guys can get a room. And then, and he goes, or the lady goes, uh, he calls me up there and he, she goes, are you two together? And he goes, yeah. He goes, she goes, oh, okay. So what would you like? Would you like two rooms? Or he goes, no, one's good. And I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, I'm in with court. I'm going like, to have a sleepover with Gordy Howe. I'm going to have a sleepover with Gordy, right? So we, we did the old bag chuck. We just fired him in the room and went down to the bar because he goes, come on, kid, let's go get a steak. So we went downstairs. And when he, when he was talking to me, he said, listen, you're not drafted, right? And I said, no. He goes, you got to make sure that everyone knows who you are because he said, you can't. He goes, somebody's gone to bat for you to get you here. But the scouts really haven't gone to bat for you because when they really go to bat for you, they've drafted you. And that means, he goes, when you go on the ice to play in those games, he goes, you got to make sure that, that everyone in the building, you know, would be looking. Oh, he goes, if you got to, if you got to, you know, when you score, you celebrate. They go, oh, the score, you know, uh, uh, celebrating again. And, or the, if you're hitting people, they go, oh, the hitter scored. Or you do whatever it takes. He goes, you got to know, they got to know who you are. He goes, you got to get naked, skate down the ice. And then when you score, they go, oh, the naked guy scored again. He goes, that's what you got to do. And I said, all right. So I went to camp and my first day, I um, 
So the next day I went there, I got there late, so I just had the afternoon skate, <clears throat> played in a game, got in a fight. I did fairly well in the fight, and uh, this, this older college guy coming out of college, he's like 23 years old, and uh, this other guy challenges me because I did pretty good, and his name's Bill Root, and he was a journeyman um, hockey uh, a defenseman that everybody really liked. I didn't know this at the time, but I was quick to quick study on it, but everyone and the older guys really, really liked them. You know, they, they rooting for him to do well, no pun intended. So they, they, uh, I end up in a fight with him and I, I mean, I kind of give it to him. And so I'm feeling pretty good about this. This is pretty good. You know, I kept, you know, I assisted 18 years old. Well, I go back to the room that night and Paul Lawless is my roommate. And he says, Hey kid, they had a veteran player with each rookie. And he said, Hey, you, you got to be careful out there. Hey. And I said, why do you just watch yourself tomorrow? I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm no one think nothing of it. Yeah. Well, the next day, Holy cow. The older guys were coming after me. So mm -hmm. this guy drops his gloves and punches me in the face as I'm, as I'm kind of turning towards him. I don't even see him coming. He just blasts me one in the nose. And so I'm embarrassed. I got the shit kicked out of me because I wasn't even looking and expecting it. And so I was really quite embarrassed. And then I got myself together on the bench and I started yelling at this guy, I'm going to freaking get you. And, and, you know, of course the older guys are like, shut up and sit down. <laughs> even the guys on my team, you know, and I'm like, I'm pissed off. So I waited till the Zamboni was coming out to clean the ice. And when it was, this guy was leaning down on the net and I went after him and cracked him and got on top of him and gave him my stick across the you know, side of the ear, and I was just pissed off. Anyways, they're trying hockey. to clean the ice, and here I go. It really was old-time hockey. I, I tell this story, and I'm like, I wouldn't suggest doing this at any time <laughs> for any kids that are out there. But, but um, so I was so dead, and I was just like, you know, I was an 18-year-old kid with no man strength yet, you know, so it was pretty intimidating just to be there. The fact that now, so now I got to fight all these older guys that are tough guys. Now they're coming after me on the ice. Like, I mean, they're coming after me and I'm, I'm fighting and I'm fighting and it's like, holy shit. And I'm thinking in my head, Oh my God, I got, I got three more days of this shit. <laughs> I, I mean, I gotta, be, before they make cuts, I gotta be here for three more days. So I come off the ice and I, no one's talking to me on my team. Even they're like, where do we find this lunatic? <laughs> so I, I, I got my shit together. I got, I went, um, showered. I went out towards, go towards the bus and right in front of the bus, this big old arm come around me just as I was going out the door. He goes, Hey kid. And it was Gordy Howe. He said, they fucking know who you are now. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was a great lesson for me. He stood in front of the bus and he, he legitimately talked to me for, I don't know, 15 minutes and let everybody in the, in the place know that I was his guy. And that I got back to my room and his son, Mark, or not Mark, uh, Marty had called my room and he said, listen, um, dad said, you might want to go fishing with us. He said, a couple of us are going out there to check some lobster traps and put a line in the water. And he goes, would you be interested? Do you want to come out with us, kid? And I said, uh, I'm saying, well, I guess I do. Right. And it was, <laughs> And it was all the veteran players. It was Joel Quinville and Ronnie Francis and Opie Samuelson and awesome. all the old Whaler players, Shane Trilla, who I'd, I'd fought 
uh, at the camp just prior to that. I was just, it was just a real, you know, growing up moment for me. Yeah, but it was no one kidding. of those things. The last, the last thing impression was from Gordy because he said, you know, basically like, don't get an opportunity and then go home and wish the hell you'd done something different. Mm-hmm. And I, and I made sure that when I left there, you know, like he said, make sure they know who you are. They had a good idea who I was when I left. And, and I was pretty proud of the fact that, uh, you know, that I, I that my intention was not to go out and, and, and try and, you know, stir up shit the way I did. But I, but on the other side of it, when it happened, it ended up being something that, you know, ended up giving me an opportunity and a career. So I was pretty lucky. Well, and impressive at 18 that you saw your hockey idol then and had kind of the balls to go up and start a conversation with him. Cause I feel like a lot of young guys maybe wouldn't do that. Or I don't know, maybe, maybe they would, but if you hadn't had that well, conversation and weren't as eloquent in your introduction of yourself, then who knows, maybe that wouldn't have happened with Gordy and your first sleepover. Well, you know, you know, our family is, you, you, well, listen, you know, our family as well as anybody does. And obviously, and your second son, who's your, so you call him your son. And yeah. he is, but, but Luke, we share he's kids. got a lot of that personality. A hundred percent. Um, you know, and so like, I, and that's one of the things I'm, I tell my kids, even though, as you know, Ben, that's not Ben's thing. Will's, you know, Will and Luke go, go up and engage in adult conversations. And the reason that I want them to do that is because I want them to be able to be in situations and adapt to just kind of the surroundings of like, look, it might be uncomfortable for a minute, but the only way to get comfortable is, is to learn. And this is this is the thing that we can, we can talk about the whole figure skating thing. I know that's they're doing, but they, but they, but one of the lessons when I do speaking engagements, as I say, the re, the only time you're going to get successful is when you're, when you're getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm, exactly. And, and that, and that truly is, I believe in that. I believe that I, I live by that. Like I, I think that when I was having to fight when I, and I was a, I was a small guy compared to the rest of the guys that did that in the league. You know, I was, I was always, you know, I was undersized for, for, for what the rest of the league was sort of utilizing those, you know, that type of role for. So I, you know, I had to learn how to, you know, and, and look, you, you, you know, you have that uncomfortable feeling cause you're a young guy. For sure. You're worried. You 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 got to sleep in the afternoon and you got to think about I know I got to fight Bob Probert or hey I know I got to fight you know it's a it's an it's an unresting feeling right well well I I say I I live by this when I do my speaking engagements that I had to get comfortable being in that in that situation and when I when I stopped worrying about it when I when I said to myself what's the worst thing that's happened to me in a fight what's the worst thing I broke a knuckle. I've had a black eye. I've had stitches and none of them hurt. Like none of them, they hurt for a minute, but none of them have ever been anything where I get, you know, it's not like being in a car crash. It's just, you know, so I had to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I, I did the figure skating show at Battle of the Blades. Um, I can tell you, I was, I had to get comfortable because, yeah. because it was one of the most, it was one of the, one of the most un easy feelings I've ever had is when that guy said the very first time we're going live across Canada in 30 seconds, folks. And I thought I just froze. I was like, well, I thought I was going to puke. Yeah. And the little 94 pound little Japanese girl who was my partner. Who was your partner? Stud, 
Kyoko Ina, so okay. three-time U.S. Olympian. Awesome. So she, she looked right at me and she goes, what are you doing? And like, she doesn't speak. <laughs> she goes, what are, you, what are you doing? And I looked at her and she goes, smarten up. And I, Ooh, I was yes. like, and she had me just rattled. She goes, she goes, what are you doing? Smarten up. Could she see you sweating she goes, and turning You're green? Fine. She goes, she, she literally grabbed, grabbed me by the wrist and yanked on my arm. She said, smarten up. What are you doing? And I, I was just like, I don't know if I looked like I was going to throw up. I know I was sweating. Like I just run a marathon. And I, and I was like, and I was like, holy shit. And she, and she just yanked my arm. And I actually started the program late when they came out of the break. I wasn't in the position I was supposed to be in yet, but we caught up obviously at the music, but I got to tell you something by the end of it, I was okay. By the end of the, you know, we we're in that thing for three months. It yeah. went on, you know, we just lucky like, enough to go to. Yeah. And that once you get comfortable being uncomfortable, then it's like, okay, now I want to just do the best I can to be successful. It's the exact same thing as hockey or life in general. Yeah. You, you got to do things sometimes that, that are uncomfortable, but as soon as you do them, I think, and do them, you know, try your best to be, you know, do them with, uh, with work ethic or integrity or whatever the hell it is. Um, that's when I think you have your most success. Yeah. And I think, I feel like you and Ray Lynn have done such a great job with your boys. You were telling them you're trying to teach them those lessons too. And it really, it really is helping them in life. I'm not, you know, parent of the year by any means, and you know, uh, but I, but my wife sure does a great job with them. But I think there are lessons that, you know, and the other thing was, look, I, I lost my dad when I was young. So, so for me, I, you know, I think there was things that, that helped me along the way that were lessons that I wish somebody would have told me at a much younger age. And I think that, that, so for me, you know, and, and it's the same thing. It's like, it's like people talk about, you know, well, you know, well, I, I hear this all the time. I, well, my, you know, he's only on the team because his dad played. Well, dads can get you on the team. They can't keep you on the team. You know, they can, they can't, they can give you the opportunity, but they can't, you know, but they can't skate for you, play for you, whatever it is. But so, so when I, when I see that or hear that, it kind of makes me chuckle a little bit because, because I think the lessons in life were, you know, you kind of try to, you want to set your kids up to, to have success, but on the other side of it, there's only so much you can do and they got to take the ball and run with it. I love it. Absolutely. So we want to get to know you and Raylan a little bit better here with some questions, but first off, when did you meet Raylan? Well, I met her when she was uh, in, in University of Saskatchewan. The very first time I met her, she was about uh, 19 years old. Uh, she is older than me. I'm going to throw that out there. Uh, so, um, so I was not old enough to be in the bar and she was working in it as she was going to school. So I, um, I met her the first time there. Um, I knew that she went to, to Notre Dame in Saskatchewan and I knew that, you know, she was friends with Wendell and, and Wendell had gone there and Wendell was my, my best buddy growing up. And, and so, um, I, I got to meet her. <clears throat> it was just a, you know, just kind of a quick introduction thing and she was busy. And the next time I met her, um, she had, she was working, and, um, she had helped organize a golf tournament for, for high school. And I'm like, man, this girl's pretty good looking, but I knew one of my buddies wanted to date her. So I was like, ah, uh, well, Wendell. And, and I was like, ah, uh, you know, and when you're at that age, when you're grew up with the crew, we had, there was no, like, you just didn't cut into the middle yeah. of that. That was just like, uh, yeah. like, you know what, this is, this is not how we rolled. She's and, out of bounds. Um, 
she's out of bounds. She's yeah. off the market, right? Yeah. So she, she's, yeah. So, she, so, um, then the next time that we, well, we, we met in the summertime when one of my buddies was getting married and, and I, you know, at the time I was like, well, you know, my buddy kind of likes her. And then I, I call, I said, Hey, she goes, Hey, would you like to go to the wedding with me? Mm. And I, I said, um, well, actually I'm going to the wedding. I'm one of the groomsmen and she goes, oh, I should have known that. And, and cause we, you know, we were all going to was Curtis Lecician's wedding. And, and I said, uh, okay. Um, now I, I go, I, I gotta, I gotta get something off the books here. So I tell her, I'm like, Hey, my buddy. And she goes, well, that's really nice for you to think that it's important enough for, for you to set me up. I'll be okay. In other words, beat it. <laughs> and so I was like, Oh, frick. so I, I went to my buddy and I said, Hey dude, you know, and he started laughing. He goes, go ahead. He goes, I, he goes, I don't even know what the hell you would bring that up for. And I'm like, well, there's no girl that's like going to come between our, you know, our, our guys at the time. I'm like, and then, uh, she was going to, um, back to college, she her, her, uh, finance master or degree and finish up. And so we got locked out that year. And so I found that even though I hated being in Saskatchewan in the wintertime, there was this girl there that made me kind of, uh, warm, warm and queasy, fuzzy, <laughs> little queasy. So I had to go back to Saskatchewan for the lockout. And, uh, that's when we started dating. I love it. All right, we have some. We're gonna, we're gonna throw some rapid fire questions at you, so you just get to answer with either you or Ray Lynn. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, well, we kind of know that you made the first move, I guess, in that regard. Who made the first like physical move for a smooch? She did for sure. <laughs> Who paid on the first date? I've I've been paying since then. <laughs> Me. Who's the better driver? But me, hands down. Who's the most likely to talk their way out of a speeding ticket? Me. Who's the best chef? Oh, we know that. <laughs> we do know that. That'd be me. <laughs> uh, who's more likely to steal all the covers? Well, I got all the covers because as soon as I start snoring, she just leaves the room. Matter <laughs> of fact, she slept where with uh, she slept down in the room where you were. Your son and Luke were my boy were the other night. Uh, and I, I just started laughing. She's like, oh, I just knew you were going to be home late. And I didn't want to hear you snore. I love it. Who's the better uh, singer in the shower? Well, I got to give that to her. Right. Who spends more time staring at their phone? Oh, <laughs> her. What? I'm, well, okay. Listen, hold on. <laughs> one's for work and one's for play. Like she's, it's, I, I don't, I'm not on. Like I'm, you know, I'm a technologically challenged person. Okay. So like this whole internet, Facebook crap, all that, I don't have Facebook. Like I'm on this stuff because the boys are signed me up, but I don't even Fair know enough. how to operate it. Fair yeah. enough. And okay. so she, she gets on that part of it. I don't. Okay. Well then, uh, who's more stubborn? Oh, that would probably be her. Mm, okay. Yeah. Who's more likely, who's, <laughs> who's more likely to cry at a sad movie? Me. Who's the best gift giver? Me. Who do your boys turn to with a problem? Their mother. Mm, yeah. mm. All right. Always. Yeah. Always. <laughs> I want to know if you're teaching. I, there's, 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 there's shit going on at my house I'm never going to know about. I know it. I, <laughs> I can tell. She covers for them all the time. It's unbelievable. And, and, they, and they're 
scared shitless of me. So <laughs> it's just how I know this stuff's going on. I actually feel like for every answer you gave, I was giving my own self points because I, in my mind, I was like him, her, him, her, you know, I kind of, <laughs> I already had my, so I passed with a hundred percent, I think. Yep. Yeah, you did. Okay. Yeah. I did. As soon as the cooking question came up though, I feel like the first time I met you, you made dinner at, at the Whitney's. And that, I think that's last spring. And Bridge has got oh, the yeah. best kitchen. Oh, I know. So what a waste, hey? What, what a waste <laughs> no, for her. Because <laughs> she doesn't use it. <laughs> because well, one, no, I, I, have, I love it. it. I have summer husbands that like to cook for Perfect. me. I need to stay yeah, out of there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I know. And I appreciate you staying, I appreciate you staying out of the road. I got, I got to tell you too, you know, like you, 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 Gray Lynn will talk about this a little bit. I'm sure you've heard the whole spiel about it but when when she gets she, it's not that she's not a good cook she just hates cooking but i'll come home and go you know what me too. do me a favor just stay just stay out of my road because you know it, it, it's something that you know you you just you just know that she's gonna get in the middle and she might be talking away and forget something because she's a visitor when you get going and i'm like all right just let me do this okay just step step aside because you're just in the way. You're either in or in the way, and you're usually in the way. Yeah, so totally. move it. And uh, it, I, that's how it works. I love when someone tells me to get the hell out of the kitchen. <laughs> totally, exactly. So, uh, no. so one thing we always we like to know about people is, um, who's your favorite hockey wife or girlfriend? Like, who made you feel really Bridge. comfortable? Bridge? <laughs> yes. Besides, for, teammate, yeah, for teammate. For a teammate. Yeah, because we how didn't about? play on the same team. Oh, uh, yeah. Who made you feel welcome? Gosh, that's like... That's a good question. I don't know. I never really thought about it, I guess. I mean, you have friends. We had a fun team when we were in Hartford. Like, we had some fun. Like, we had some... I think there was, there was like, 11 couples that weren't married or that didn't have kids or just married or that didn't have kids. 11 couples. So we did a lot of things together, you know? So, and I remember being on... I remember being on a... Uh, on a trip in the all-star break, we went to Williamson, Williams, Williamstown, uh, Connecticut. It was a, it was like, I think that's the name of it. it was a, it was a little, uh, ski town. So we went, it went there skiing and, and we had this great group and they had this unbelievable wine cellar. That was the big thing. Uh, and so we went there and, uh, I mean, there was, it was all couples and, and um, <laughs> Andrew Castle's wife, Tracy, she got into the wine and it was just like, I mean, they were going through it, drinking it like it was water. It all seemed like a good idea. It is water. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful snow, light snow coming down, nice and white. It was just like the it's real cool, bright night. And all of a sudden it hit Tracy. <laughs> we went outside and Cass has got her by the hips and she's just thrown up oh, everywhere. No. There's snow is red everywhere. <laughs> and he looks over his shoulder and he looks at us. He goes, boys, I know what you're thinking, but she's all mine. <laughs> <laughs> and we howled about that. And I, we were talking about it the other day. Uh, with the, with, I, was, I saw Paul Ranheim and, and Chris McAlpine, and we were just talking about like some of the shit that we used to do. That was as as you know, good groups of people that were together. And man, we had a lot of fun. I love it. I don't know who that wife would be. God, I got to <laughs> think about. That. I'm gonna have to. That's a, a good favorite. question. What about what about the hot? What about the hottest wife then, or girlfriend? There's got to be a hot one that jumps into your mind. 
Oh, man. Sorry, Raylan, for asking well, this, but... Yeah, I mean, you, you, you said what? to me, you said uh, you, that you were um, mesmerized by Steve Eiserman. So right away, I'm nodding my head. I'm like, yep, I felt that way about him too. I can see it. <laughs> she really yeah, does. I, I, that's, uh, you're not the first one to say that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um, but well, no, yeah, give me your girl. We used to give uh, well, Paul Ranheim, Kathy Ranheim. Uh, they're not together now, but uh, it, she was a good looking girl. And we used to, you know, we used to have some, we used to give Heimer a hard time because he'd walk down the street. She looks just a lot like, uh, Cindy Crawford. So she, we, we walked down pretty. the street in New York and, lit- and, and literally people would stop and stare at her. And I, and I used to say to him, I'm like, how the hell do you do it? And he, and he just said, what? And then, and then he just chuckled. He goes, buddy, I don't even notice it anymore. He goes, it's just like, and I'd be like, you know, and got, you know, New York people are one and I'm like, I'd, I'd be in a fight every five minutes. And, it was like, and, Ray Little be, and honestly, Ray Little will be the first to tell you it was unbelievable. Like she, you know, she just, Kathy was a very good looking girl. And I'd be like, you know, cause guys would say remarks or whatever. And I'm like, dude, dude, I'm, I'm like, you don't know that I'm not her husband, but I'm standing right beside her. Are you going to be okay? <laughs> like, I mean, are you looking to get punched in the mouth? Because that's what's coming. <laughs> totally. That's what's fun about being around you. <laughs> well, Everyone feels safe. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's feeling safe. Uh, we already talked about how, what a great cook you are. So you put cheese whiz on a lot of things. Do you love, why do you, it's not good for It you. might be my go-to for some, not a lot of things. I've never seen you throw thing. it in anything, but I have heard that it's a staple. Well, I no. The, the reason they make an issue out of it in my house is because <laughs> I because I know it bothers all of them. Because what happened was, my sister in law decided one day that she was going to show the kids what you know what this processed food thing was about, and she's into that stuff. So she she sends the, she throws it the cheese whiz in the fire pit, mm-hmm. and yeah. she just leaves it in the fire pit, right? And so. She and doesn't say anything, and she's just like, "Well, you guys will see," and never says another thing until the next morning when mm. they go out and it was the cheese whiz was it looked like it was the jar broke and it was an orange rock like Ew. no rubber Explosion. ball Ew. rubber ball it was a rubber ball it was as rubber as rubber could get and as hard as as hard a rubber ball as you could have it was almost golf golf ball hard but rubber and. And she's like, this is, this is what cheese whiz is, right? And I'm like, oh, Jesus. So now, you know, and because I love it. So now <laughs> the boys are like, you know, they won't touch it. It's like, you know, it, so if you went to, but I mean, if they would have went, if they go to a, you know, a meat cutting plant that saw how, how a hot dog was made, they yeah. never eat one of them again no. either. So that's just the way it is. Well, I'm going to tell you though, that you cannot be having cheese whiz during your badminton training. So you're definitely going to want to cut that one out. <laughs> Oh, I fired in the I fired in the the uh, uh, mashed cauliflower that I make. It's so damn good! It's your veggie serving. I love it. Yeah, that, yeah. You guys don't even know I've been slipping it in there. <laughs> so maybe just one more thing. We're just curious. Like, what's on your bucket list? What's What's next? I'm going to tell you one thing that I didn't. I haven't. Uh, I didn't skydive yet. And I want to do that. And uh, I've been all over the world. I've been lucky. You know, I've been all over the world. I've never been to Hawaii. So I'll get that done. I'll check that box. But the one thing I'm not going to do that I always said, I, I don't care. I will do this before. You know, I don't care how old I am or whatever. I will get in good enough shape to run a marathon. 
I don't care if I, it takes me Ugh. a day and a half. I'm going to do it because I'm a stubborn bastard. And you know what? I just don't think that the body's letting me do that, right? I, I had a tough summer last summer when I actually mm-hmm. thought I was going to actually get in shape and had a little incident, mm-hmm. as you know, mm-hmm. and uh, with my foot. And, uh, and so now, you know what? I'm, I'm just res- resigned to the fact that, you know, um, well, you don't I, have to run a marathon in record time. You don't have to run it in record time. You could, you can. No, do I it. know. I know. I'm, it's just, it's just that the, my body is yeah. like. I think. I think I would need hip surgery if I did do it. Now. It's so hard. It's. Uh, I could. Yeah, I could well, never do one. So I, if you do it, I will be there cheering, watching, and crying because I get. I am so moved by yeah, marathoners. I've only done a mind. half marathon, and it was literally the most miserable thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I only got a good time really? on it because I was too impatient to like be running for much longer. <laughs> so I just went. Well, I, I, I'd like, I, if I could track that, I could at least say that I did it. I'd be, yeah. I'd be, it'd be pretty cool. Um, and then bucket list, man, I don't know what else. I don't know what else. I, I've been, listen, I've been pretty fortunate in my life. I've been, I got to do the only thing I wanted to do my whole life. And that was play hockey. I got to do it for a living. I got to be in the game for 30 one odd years now i'm 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 lucky like i i really you know feel like i'm lucky and so for whatever reason i don't know why i've been blessed to be able to do a lot of things so when when i get the opportunity to do shit i just check it off right away so i've been real lucky i don't i don't know what the heck else my bucket list would be that was a good bucket list yeah well, I have to say, Kelly, you are one of my all-time favorites again. And seriously, you told me, oh, I had I, asked you about facts I, about I, you, and you said, go do your fucking homework. <laughs> so, I mean, the list is endless with you. It really is. Like, I mean, I'm going to tell people, go watch Ice Guardians, go read your piece in the Players Tribune um, about Humboldt, and go read about the things that Kelly does beyond the game and your involvement with the alumni. I mean, we could talk for a week here, but I just, I'm... I'm so excited that you said that you would talk with us today and that hockey life has led us to Gauzer and to your family. I can't even imagine not knowing all of you. Your smile, your heart, your laugh, seriously, just larger than life. And um, Kodet and I really appreciate you squeezing us in here. We do. Thank you. Are you kidding me? I, I appreciate it. And what was this shit you wanted me to send stuff? You know how this <laughs> broadcasting thing works, they like... You actually I, have to do the homework. I did my homework. She's got three pages, but for me to not know you, it's nice to have like some little facts. We want the fun shit. Like, yeah. like you hey, only that you like bubble baths. Or, like we, yeah. I, I just like now I just, I get to picture you in a bubble bath because your wife told us that. And I think that's adorable. <laughs> right. And well, I like, yeah, she's got to buy a bathtub big enough to put me in there right now. <laughs> I mean, the next house probably I'll have it. And then, and then, uh, on top of it all, I was like, I, I don't know if you heard Bridget. It's like, hey, could you write down like about 10 little fat? And I go, are you not a fucking chance? I'm like, no, no, that's not how this whole thing works. You're going to do the homework. And and by the way, you, she, I knew that she was going to come up with a bunch of stuff that she already knew about me anyway. So it was like, I was like, I'm not doing your work for you. I'm busy. Well, we'll just keep collecting memories and I'll see you on the dance floor. And I'll, see you, on the bad, I'll see you on the badminton that's floor. All right. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Kelly. Right, we'll we'll talk to you, you soon. You got, you got. Bye. Take Bye. care, guys. 
Thanks for hanging out. You've been listening to Our Hockey Life with Codette LaBarbera and Bridget Whitney. Join us next week when we get to introduce you to another great hockey friend. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Our Hockey Life and at Codette LaBarbera.